Hello and welcome to the monthly Megabyte CEO Barometer. At Megabyte, we support UK scale-up and mid-market software and ICT services companies to develop robust growth strategies, understand their competitive landscape and customer sentiment, benchmark their financial performance and valuation, and identify and track M&A targets. And we do this in three key ways. With proprietary insights and data contained in our subscription research service, through a series of packaged consulting services, and with access to our network of some 500 tech sector CEOs through our events and our expert network. And critically, we deliver these insights and connections with an obsessive attention to independence and impartiality. In this show every month, I analyse the plethora of new data and insight on our platform and the dozens of CEO conversations that we have every month to bring you key financial, trading, transaction and valuation themes from the preceding month and to help you understand what that might mean for the outlook. If you'd like to know more about Megabyte services, the best thing to do is just to head to our website at megabyte.com and hit the Try Megabyte button and our customer team will be really happy to help you out. As we enter 2024, this month's Megabyte CEO Barometer follows a slightly different format. The show this month is all about looking forward to the new year. While I will of course review all of the key share price and corporate activity trends from 2023 as a whole, this month's podcast focuses on 10 key predictions for 2024 looking at tech demand trends, valuations and corporate activity, as well as my advice to CEOs on how to tackle what I feel will be a year of recovery, albeit a slow and unpredictable one. And also one that I believe will bring great opportunity for those that are well prepared for the AI revolution. So let's dive in. So starting off with a look at what was uh, going on in 2023 in terms of share prices and valuations. And um, You won't need me to tell you that the mood music in the UK capital markets during the year was pretty downbeat. The most downbeat I've seen it in my whole career, I think. Um, But actually, interestingly, share prices staged something of a decent recovery, particularly in the second half of the year. More so, I have to say, in the US than in the UK. Um, But overall, it was a pretty decent year for share prices. The megabyte universe of 150 UK-listed tech stocks, that was up 22% in the year. um, But valuations were actually flat overall at about 13 times current year EV EBITDA. Software had a very strong year, I have to say, driven by a late surge in Sage's share price. Overall, software share prices were up on average 26% in 2023. But again, valuations overall were fairly flat at about 14 times. And um, you will have heard me say, if you listened to the podcast a couple of months ago, that actually um, valuations, particularly software valuations, hit a 10-year low during Q4 of last year. So valuations really were remaining really quite under pressure in the year, even though share prices were rising. ICT services, which is actually quite a small component of the quoted sector now, um, share prices there were only up on average 3% in the year, and valuations were flat at 10.2 times current year EV EBITDA. But they did nudge up over that 10 times uh, level again, which is encouraging. That happened again right at the end of the year. Um, As I mentioned a second ago, the US market had a much, much stronger year. The NASDAQ overall was up uh, 45% for the year, and the EV EBITDA multiple was up on average 22% to 16 times. And that was really driven by a really amazing recovery from some of the big tech companies, as you probably will have read about as we went through the year. But to give you a flavour of what we saw in some of those uh, mega tech stocks, Apple was up 54% in the year and is now trading on 22 times current year EV EBITDA. Amazon was up 77%. Microsoft was up 57% in his trading, also on 22 times current year EV EBITDA. In the enterprise software space, Workday was up 63% and is trading on 30 times current year EV EBITDA. And the mighty Salesforce, that was up 95% in the year and is currently trading on 19 times current year EV EBITDA. 
And it was an even stronger performance, certainly in valuation terms, from what I might describe as the, the chapter two stocks, these sort of very sexy kind of high growth SaaS stocks that are born in the, uh, in the last decade. MongoDB, those shares were up 114% um, and is on an EV revenue multiple of 18 times. And Snowflake, the data leader, that was up 49% in the year and is on an EV revenue multiple of 23 times. So in some cases in the US, we are now seeing again uh, some of the valuations in terms of EV revenue multiples that we saw um, in 2021 at the peak of the bubble. So there's been, you know, there's been something of a of, of a, re- a revolution or a re- re- renaissance in, in US share prices, although the new year has started quite badly for, for many of them, to be fair. And just to sort of, sort of uh, you know, kind of reinforce that point, the VBP, the NAS, sorry, the Bessemer Venture Partners NASDAQ Cloud Index, index that was up 33% of the year. Interestingly, lagging the NASDAQ, which surprised me when I looked at the numbers. Um, and the EV sales multiple was up a similar amount in the year to 7.4 times. I think that got as low as five, five and a half times in, uh, during the year. So some recovery there. So that's a look at the share prices. Moving on then to look at deal activity. Um, overall, 2023 was a year of much slower deal activity across pretty much all of the areas we track at Megabyte. Uh, total deal volumes were down 24% in the year and were down 35% on 2021. So, you know, we're seeing a, on average a third less deal activity than we were at the peak of the market. Actually, probably if we take the peak, probably more like 40 or 50% down. There were 1,233 deals registered on the Megabyte database in 2023. That was down from 1,627 in 2022 and 1,900, over 1,900 in 2021. Um, and I'll look at those deal activities in, uh, in detail now. So um, <laughs> those of you who listened to this annual kind of review this time last year will have heard me say that um, it was a year, it was a sort of, it was the worst year in a generation on the capital markets in terms of activity, deal activity, IPO and follow-on public offering activity. But it seems like it, uh, it wasn't because actually 2023 turned out to be an even worse year. So deal volumes uh, in terms of follow-on public, activi- follow-on public offerings and, in- and IPOs were down by another 30% uh, in terms of the, va- the volume of those deals. Um, and uh, they, are, they were a third of the, of the number, deal uh, numbers in 2021. There were just four IPOs in the tech sector in the UK in, uh, in 2023. Actually, that was up from two in 2022, but I don't really think we can count that because there was actually only one um, meaningful IPO, um, tech, tech and tech services IPO in 2023, being cab payments, which, as most of you will be aware, was a bit of a disaster. And those shares are now trading at two thirds below their listing price. There were three other um, IPOs in the, in the tech sector, but they were all tiny. I'm not sure we even really count them, to be honest with you. And I think probably more significantly for the capital markets, we registered just 262 million raised through follow-on public offerings through 17 deals compared to over 500 million, which in itself was down from 1.5 million in 2021. So, you know, a, 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 what is that? 20% of the amount raised in 2023 compared to 2021. And look, I think there's a clear message here in all of this. And, and we've talk, I've talked a lot about de-equitisation in the show over the last couple of years, but it is quite clear to me now that the London Stock Exchange is no longer a meaningful pool of liquidity for UK tech stocks. It's as simple as that. Um, and um, I don't think it's going to change. I'll talk about the outlook in a minute, but overall, I don't think that's going to change. Conversely, private equity activity, private equity activity in the year was really pretty robust, especially MBO activity. But as I've mentioned a few times on the pod, um, secondary buyouts were quite a lot slower for reasons I'll talk about. 
So as I said, MBO's strong activity there was, was broadly flat. So it was about 46, well it wasn't about, there was actually 46 management buyouts registered on our database in the year. So running at about four a month, which is, which is not bad, and that was flat on 2022. As I've talked about a bit, there was real secondary buyout indigestion, particularly in the first half of 2023. Overall secondary buyout activity in the market, the tech sector in the UK was down 22% in uh, 2023. And what was going on there is because there was quite a flux in valuations, particularly in the first half of the year, and also trading was quite difficult, quite patchy, quite lumpy. Um, I think a lot of the PE firms were really waiting to see where it settled. Um, and I think um, in the second half of the year, we saw the cork coming out of the bottle in secondary buyouts with large deals from Iris, Civica and Kerridge. And I think that will uncork uh, the bottle even more so, if that's not a, a, a weird use of that metaphor, uh, in 2024. And I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, so um, I think we, we saw, just to sort of underline that with a few statistics, we saw 11 um, secondary buyouts in H1 last year, but 18 in H2, and I think we'll see that trend continue into 2024. And also public to private activity. I talked a second ago about the, the rather depressing dearth of FPO and IPO activity, and indeed um, there were five companies uh, came off the market through public to private. There were more through M&A activity, but there were five uh, companies came off the market through public to private activity, talking about um, PE. But the value of those was over four billion sterling. So when you think about a few hundred million, if that, coming onto the market, and four billion coming off, we've seen a massive increase again this year, last year, in the deactivization trend. Um, venture and growth capital took another beating in 2023. I actually thought, and, and I think it's fair to say that I thought, you know, and I'll talk a bit more about my scorecard in a second, but I thought it would be a better year overall for VC, and it's been pretty grim, to be honest with you. Um, deal volumes were down another 29% to 462 uh, deals. And um, and uh, there were more than half, that was half the number in 2021. So we've seen a halving of VC activity from a deal volume perspective, but probably more significantly, uh, the funds raised in 2023 from VC and growth capital was down 61% to 6.7 billion as an average, and the average raised almost halved to 14.5 million, pretty much back to where it was pre-COVID, to be honest with you. And I think that, um, you know, so it was a really, it's been a really sobering year for VC. And below the, the fundraising numbers, it's been incredibly tough for a lot of VC-backed companies this year. They've been desperately trying to avoid FPO, uh, not FPOs, you know, um, down rounds. There's been a lot of venture debt going into companies that are trying to extend their runway, uh, cutting a lot of cost-cutting, huge cost-cutting going on in many, many VC-backed companies. It's been very painful. Um, and I think, um, I'll talk about this in a second, but I think 2024 is going to be something of a year of capitulation in that part of the market. Last but definitely not least, definitely not least talking about M&A activity, and that was down um, in line with the overall trend, to be honest with you. Deal activity was down 23%. We registered six, um, 657 deals on the day space, and software was very slightly stronger in terms of the overall numbers than ICT services. Two main drivers there, I think, really. Um, obviously, I think the really, well, are probably equal, really. Debt servicing costs, for obvious reasons, went through the roof, and debt availability, frankly, went through the roof during 2023 and I think that's put put the brakes on a lot of the uh, a lot of the kind of roll up activity we saw through 2021 particularly but also 2022 but also um, you know there's just a decline in confidence I think that slowed down deal activity some of the SBO um, indigestion as well I think has slowed down deal activity there's quite a few companies particularly in the ICT services space that we know have been working on secondary buyouts for most of the year and during that period whereas they would might have acquired three, four, five, six, who knows, a dozen companies, um, 
they've done very little DL activity. So I think that SBO indigestion has played into the, 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 the M&A activity or the lack of M&A activity, particularly in ICT services as well. So overall, it was really, 2023 was a year I think a lot of us will want to forget. I think it was very tough. Deal activity was very weak. Share price is actually not bad, but most of that, most of that um, improvement came in the second half of the year. Um, and I think, as I said at the beginning of the show, 2024 is going to be a lot better and in a way is going to be a mirror image of 2023 in the sense that the first half of 2023 wasn't too bad, second half was pretty grim. I think it's going to be the other way around this year. So let's, um, let's dive into a few predictions for 2024. Before we dive uh, into the 2024 trends, um, I just wanted to mark my own homework a little bit and just think a little bit about, um, you know, what my predict, how my predictions for 2023 fared. I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to go through, um, you know, I don't feel like I'm going to go through every single one. But I think in general, I felt that 2023 would be very tough in the first half, but improve in the second half of the year. And to some degree, that was right. Share prices, as I've said, were were better in the second half of the year. Um, but overall, I think that the, the year was quite a bit tougher than I thought. And actually just talking to people in the market than a lot of people thought it was going to be. I, I think we felt that coming back from the summer break, that things would improve both in terms of trading patterns and also that would feed through into corporate activity trends. I particularly thought the stock market would be better than it was in terms of deal activity. And it was pretty shocking, as I said in the previous section. Um, but I think the overall, the overall direction of travel that I expected to see has really been there in that, you know, I talked last year about how, you know, in, in, in the previous two downturns, the first one after the global financial crisis and the previous one before that um, in uh, post.com, these, these downturns from a deal activity, share price and actually trading perspective typically last three to six quarters. The post.com one was brutal and that lasted six or seven quarters. Post-global financial crisis was, uh, was, was shorter and was only three or four quarters. And I think that we, you know, it was difficult to pitch where this one was going to be. And as it turns out, I feel it's going to be somewhere in the middle of those two. So we saw the downturn really start in the Q4 of 2022 um, and has obviously continued through last year. And I think from a, so I think when I think about, when I think before I dive into individual, uh, into the individual uh, predictions, if I think about 2024, I think it's 2010. And what I mean by that is those of you who, those of you listening who are around in the market in, in at that period, 2008 obviously is the year Lehman's went bust. That was horrendous. 2020, uh, sorry, 2009, things were pretty bad, really bad actually. And uh, but there was a few kind of green shoots towards the end of the year. It was 2010 where deals really started getting done again. Uh, you know, growth started to come back into companies, P&Ls, etc. You know, I always use the example of Access Group did its did its MBO, its first deal with um, Lyceum as was Horizon back in 2010. And look where that's gone in the last 15 years. I mean, incredible story. So I think that's my overall characterization for 2024. It is, I think, going to be a tough year, um, but I think it's going to gradually improve through the year, whereas 2023 was the opposite. So let's dive in with a few key thoughts. So I think starting off with some, uh, some thoughts about um, enterprise tech demand, uh, so overall, and thinking then about the kind of the chapter two AI trend, which obviously is massive. Um, we saw, uh, as, I, as I mentioned a second ago, overall growth slowed very rapidly during 2023. Now, there were companies, many companies, to be fair, that we followed that were still generating really good double-digit growth in 2023. But that, I think, became the exception rather than the rule. And I think overall, we saw growth slow to really the level of inflation at best. And there was a lot of companies where uh, you know, growth slowed 
very dramatically. You know, I talked last month about um, FDM and Kanos, those two large IT services companies listed on the stock market. And their growth has gone from 20% in 2022 to 0% in 2023. So I think that's that's a really big deal. And I think that's that's a that's a very good sort of that's a very good barometer of what's broadly going on in the sector. What I think will happen this year, I do think we are going to see a gradual improvement in the growth trend. I think that uh, I think that uh, it's not going to be it's not going to be a straight line, um, but I think that we will start to see improving growth trend as inflation falls which means that the growth will feel better. So when you're growing at 5% inflation is 10%, that doesn't feel great. Growing at 5 or 10% when inflation's 2 or 3%, that feels a lot better. And I think that's probably where we'll be towards the end of the year. Just the macro trends just support that, I think. And also some of the, some of the uh, structural trends I'll talk about. But I do think that the rule of 40, which, became, which, was, which was very prevalent in the, in the boom years, um, and has become incredibly difficult to achieve, particularly in the ICT services sector over the last year or so. I still think that's going to be challenging to achieve for the next year or two. And I think that there should be a real focus on that from boards. And I'll talk about that at the end of the show when I talk about my suggestions for CEOs. When I think about the drivers of that growth, as well as the improving macro picture, I think that AI and other chaps two technologies, I think are, there's no doubt in my mind, these are the things that are going to drive the next wave of growth. So as happened in post-global financial crisis, where SaaS was the real driver and cloud technologies from an ICT services perspective. And so I think those with a strong chapter two strategy and positioning, whether they are chapter two natives or um, chapter one SaaS and, and cloud companies that are making that transition to, to AI and all those related technologies, those are the companies that are gonna enjoy the best growth and they're gonna take the lion's share of the growth. Chapter one companies, I think they will improve, you know, but I think those companies will never become high growth companies again unless they have a strong chapter two strategy. Having said that, my third prediction is that we will see something of a crossing the chasm moment for AI. It's been massively hyped, obviously, during 2023. And I do think they are going, there is go, there's going to be a bit of, a bit of skepticism creeping in about what it really can deliver in terms of revenue and cost saving. My strong suggestion to you is to ignore all of that. If you're running a tech company, I would look through all of that, as you should have done if you were running a SaaS company in 2010, and continued on with your SaaS strategy. And I think that um, we are going to see underneath a pullback in what has been an overhyped technology, a continuing adoption from end customers. In ICT services, talk to a lot of ICT services companies. Some of you will know that I've talked about um, I've talked, uh, I'm doing this big piece of research on AI, which will be out during, during March, and um, talked to a lot of ICT services companies, and they, a lot of them characterise 2023 as the year of the proof of concept. And I think we are all quite confident that 2024, probably not as much as we'd like, but 2024 will be the year where those AI proof of concepts get, a lot of them get put into production. And in software, there's been a lot of marketing blurb about AI functionality, particularly from the big vendors. And I think 2024 will be the year where that that marketing blurb translates into really hardcore product release, feature release around AI, particularly co-pilots. You're gonna see those everywhere this year. I think just lastly on AI before I move on, I, I think probably one of the biggest moves this year will actually be AI adoption for tech companies to, op to drive operational efficiency. Because you think about where we are in the cycle, um, and I talked about rule of 40 being very difficult to achieve. A real driver of that rule of 40 from a margin perspective will be effective use of AI internally for tech companies to drive efficiency in their businesses, whether it's sales and marketing, whether it's, whether it's coding, uh, you know, whether, it's HR, whether it's the HR function or across businesses, I think that's going to be a big driver. And I think that's going to be the sort of one of the silent trends that's going to be a really key thing for boards to be, uh, 
be focused on in 2024. Moving then to think about valuations, I think that I do think, as I said in the previous section, valuations overall will recover. Um, I think they've got more, they've got further to recover clearly in the capital markets. And I think that um, they, as I said earlier, those valuations in the UK anyway reached a 10-year low in Q4 2023. I think there will be a recovery and I think there'll be something of a convergence again. PE valuations, I didn't really talk about that in the last section, but PE valuations have been pretty solid um, during 2023. They've come off their post-COVID highs, but they've returned to their pre-COVID levels, which is not bad at all. Still, um, software companies still trading in the high teens um, against um, uh, you know, maybe even the low 20s from an EV EBITDA perspective, which is which is pretty respectable. And I think you'll see the you'll see that continuing on um, at, a, at a really flat, fairly flat level. And I think the public company valuations, both from a software and an ICT services perspective, will converge a bit more. Um, and um, but again, thinking about this AI kind of asymmetry, I think those companies that have, whether they're listed or otherwise, that have a really strong chapter two strategy, both in terms of their products and service strategy for customers and also their internal operational efficiency, um, will see valuation expansion much more than those uh, chapter one companies, particularly SaaS and cloud companies that don't really look like they're going to take advantage of chapter two and AI. And I think those valuations will improve somewhat, but I don't think they're going to get anywhere. I think those increasing and increasingly over the next few years, those there will be a there will be a divergence in valuation between the AI haves and the AI have nots. I feel quite strongly about that. Fifthly, I think debt markets will recover. I think uh, I'm not sure that interest rates. I mean, I'm not an economist, but I don't. I'm not convinced interest rates, base rates, are going to come down quite as quickly as some people seem to think they are right now. I think there might be a few false dawns on that horizon during the year, but overall, I think availability of debt. Um, uh, at a sensible level, at, at, a, at a more economic level, probably than most of last year, uh, will help, and I think that will uh, and th that will overall be accommodating for more aggressive um, PE and M&A activity, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I do still think there's going to be some PE car crashes, and again, I'll talk about this in the PE section. You know, we've seen a couple of uh, companies, particularly in the ICT services sector, where the uh, private equity um, um, owners have handed over the keys to the debt providers. I think we've got a few more of those to come before we're through the cycle. I think share prices will, 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 will um, actually enjoy a, a decent year as well. They've started pretty poorly, to be honest with you, but overall I think we'll see a, a year of positive growth for the share prices. But, but looking at capital markets activity, I don't think we're going to see a rush of IPOs. I just don't, th I think those, those, that ship has sailed. I think we'll see some, but I don't think we're going to see a 2021 style um, uh, 2021 style rush of IPOs. I think you may see some of the AI companies that can't raise VC money if the stock market really improves and really aren't appropriate for PE coming to the market, um, a few earlier stage companies, but I don't think that's going to um, move the needle particularly overall. Um, I also predict, as I said earlier, confidently predict that the de-equitisation trend will continue and we're, whether we see a few IPOs or not, and I think there are quite a few companies out there that have flirted with um, some that have flirted with, um, publicly flirted and some privately flirted with Tate Privates over the last couple of years. GB Group, Alpha Financial Systems, NCC, Gamma Communications. These, to me, feel like companies that are ripe for public to privates. And I think we'll see a bunch of those happening again during 2024. Overall, I think um, PE activity will remain pretty solid. I think we're going to see something of a rush of secondary buyout activity following, the, um, following the, the, the slow period for that, as I talked about in the last section. 
And I think there's going to be a bit of a deal bonanza going on there as, as PE really start to unload uh, their portfolios that have got, that have got you know that that have got a bit pregnant over the last 12 months. So I think that's where we're going to see most of the PE activity. But I think we'll also continue to see really good MBO activity as uh, as, as sentiment improves. And I think overall, in in in, in terms of valuations, I think PE valuations will remain relatively static during 2024. Um, I don't think the debt levels. Maybe slightly at the higher end, debt levels might and, and the ability to, uh, to, to leverage in terms of leverage multiples might improve slightly and that might help multiples slightly, valuation multiples at the top end. But overall, I don't think the improving debt markets is going to have, um, uh, is going to have much of a, uh, of a positive impact. I think overall valuations will be relatively, relatively stable. Um, my eighth prediction is that the VC market will be a year of capitulation. So I think that as I mentioned briefly in the last section, it's been another very tough year in the VC world. And I think that, that we've already seen some capitulation in terms of a few companies pulling the plug, but, but a few M&A deals that were done at, deal va that done at the last, the value of the last raise or the value of the last amount raise, not the valuation. Because as you know, a lot of these VCs have got, most VCs have got downside protection in deals where the, uh, they get, um, they get a, the lion's share of, a, uh, of an exit if it's, a, if it's a down round, if you like. And I think that... Um, uh, you're going to see quite a lot of VC company failures. I think you'll see quite a lot of rescue M&A, and then you'll see from the stronger ones some M&A done at the last, the, the valuation of the last deal because they just can't raise the money to, to keep the growth show on the road. Um, but also within VC, before I move on, I think that I think that you know a bit like we've talked about in the trading trends earlier on, and I mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast in the last couple of months. We're going to see as the next, so it's a, it's a bit like a rebirth going on. There's, a, it's, there's going to be capitulation and a lot of failure, but I think there's also going to be a rebirth in confidence to some degree. But that, those new trends will be around chapter two, AI, not AI, silly AI valuations, but really AI companies, particularly deep tech type companies, also climate tech to some degree, that are going to really uh, be where VCs are looking to put their money rather than enterprise software and fintech, which was the case um, during, the last, uh, during the last cycle. Thinking about M&A volumes, again, I think they're going to recover quite well during 2024. I think that um, when we break that down, chapter one companies that have been the driver of M&A for the last 10 years, the accesses of this world, um, idea gen in the software world, a lot of the ICT services roll-ups, I think those guys will continue. I think they'll continue and they're going to see some quite attractive valuations for some of those businesses as we, as we come out of the downturn. And I think they will continue on that road. And I think we'll see a, a, an overall increase in that, what I would characterise as chapter one M&A activity. But fundamentally, I don't see that as, um, I, don't, I don't think that's a good idea, frankly, but that's a bigger question. I think we will see um, some M&A, as I said, around the VC world, because I think there's going to be capitulation there. And I think we'll see an increase in more established companies, both mid-market companies and some of the behemoths taking over. There's going to be more VC as the, that capitulation continues, as I suggested. But fundamentally, I think the smart companies, there's not going to be a lot of volume, I don't think, but the smart companies will use M&A to extend their Chapter 2 strategy and will not be tempted to, um, to uh, go into cheap M&A or cheaper M&A uh, chapter one M&A, which was just the route to uh, to to a, a weaker uh, growth profile and a weaker valuation over the medium to long term, in my humble opinion. Last but definitely not least, in terms of my ten predictions, important to point out, even though overall I'm very positive, pretty positive about 2024. I think it never is and it is not going to be a straight line recovery. I think it's going to be a very bumpy year again this year, albeit overall positive. 
and as well as the macroeconomic environment and interest rate kind of interest rates, that whole cycle is, is not completely clear where that's going. We've got elections coming in the UK and the US, definitely in the second half of the US. Seems like it's probably going to be in the second half of the UK as well. That's going to impact confidence and deal activity because it always does. Uh, and and notwithstanding that, more broadly, widely, geopolitical risk remains as high as it's ever been. Obviously, we've got massive issues going on in the Middle East at the moment. The war is still going on in Ukraine. There's ships getting bombed in the, in the Red Sea. It's, it's all going on and it will continue to go on. And that is, as ever, impossible to predict where the next flashpoint will be and how much it will impact sentiment here in the West. Um, and I think that, um, you know, we one needs to be mindful of that and, and really keep your tin hat on as far as that's concerned. So that's my 10 predictions for 2024. I will wrap up the show uh, next by thinking about how five things that I think CEOs, tech CEOs and tech boards can think about in terms of taking those trends and translating them into their strategy and activity for the current year and beyond. So I will finish the show with that next. So my suggestions for boards this year, my five for recommendations for boards this year, really focus and centre around this idea that we're coming into a period of recovery and, and, and rebirth to a degree. And I think that um, as you come out of, uh, as we come out of what I think has been a very tough time for tech companies over the last year or two, well, the first thing I would recommend is that you reevaluate your market opp opportunity. Quite understandably, during downturns, during tougher times, companies focus on their core and they want to operate efficient, efficiently and they maybe shelve uh, plans for new areas of the market. And I think the right, it now is the right time to start thinking about um, what is your overall market opportunity? How might that have changed over the last couple of years? And where are the areas that are new to you that you might want to pursue over the next few years? So I would recommend that you do that. And secondly, thinking about that specifically through the lens of AI, I would be really brave about your AI products and service strategy, whether you're a software or an ICT services companies. As I said, I think we're going to see some perception pullback, if you like, with AI during 2024. But I would, I would ignore that. I would strongly recommend you ignore that. I still think customer adoption is going to be strong, albeit still in the early stages of development. And again, going back to that sort of technology phase and post-global financial crisis, the SaaS and cloud companies that were really brave with their strategy during 2010 to 2015 were the ones that really cleaned up in the second half of that decade. And I think it's going to be the same with AI. So my second recommendation is that you should be brave with your products and service strategy, service strategy around AI. And thirdly, still sticking with the AI theme, I recommend that you really get on the journey if you're not already to implement AI measures and functions and, and functionality internally in your business to improve operational efficiency. I think that um, I think this is going to be a big battleground, almost a, probably more of a silent battleground for companies where your cost of customer acquisition or your cost per line of code developed are going to be key metrics that you're going to need to keep an eye on and continually iterate with AI technology to improve those over the coming years. Because if you don't do that, I think that's going to start to seriously impact your competitive positioning as we get towards the second half of the decade. And I also think, before I move on, I think important, therefore, to reimagine your internal KPIs and not necessarily rely on what good looked like what good looked like five years ago from an internal efficiency perspective may fundamentally change, I think will fundamentally change in many areas of your business over the coming years. 
Fourthly, from a corporate strategy perspective, I would focus on organic growth. There will be lots of companies out there that continue or return to chapter one M&A roll-up strategies as, uh, as markets improve. And, I, and I'm sure they will make some return on that if they're good at it. My suggestion to you, though, is to focus both organically on your M&A strategy, on your, sorry, on your products and service strategy, as I said, and not to engage in much, if any, M&A unless it advances that chapter two and AI strategy. Um, I think those companies that continue with M&A and continue on a chapter one strategy will probably do okay. You know, the market's improving, but they will not be the companies that will achieve both the above average growth over the next five to 10 years and above average valuations over the next five to 10 years. If you want your company to be a growth company in 2030, then I really think that you should avoid M&A, particularly cheaper chapter one M&A. It'll look quite tempting probably in 2024, but I would look forward. And if you are going to do M&A, use it to enhance your chapter two and AI strategy rather than looking backwards. And lastly, but definitely not least, I would refocus your business on the rule of 40. It's become very challenging to achieve the rule of 40 over the last 12 months. Margins have been under pressure. Growth has certainly been under pressure. I think if you have, if you, if you deliver the kind of AI products and services strategy that I've talked about doing, that should help your growth rate as well as a rising um, economic uh, profile, you know, macroeconomic profile. But also from a margin perspective, using those AI measures that I talked about a second ago will improve or should help to improve your margin profile over the short to medium term, or I think definitely will do. And refocusing your business on that rule of 40 and investing in areas where there are, there are opportunities for efficiency, but also uh, making sure that you're um, you're not um, necessarily thinking about headcount from a 2021 perspective, but thinking about it from an, uh, a, a, a 2024 perspective, because I think the recovery will be quite gradual. So to recap, I think firstly, I would reevaluate your market opportunity. Secondly, I would be brave with your AI strategy, whether that's product or software product or service strategy. I would then thirdly implement, if you haven't started already, I would start implementing AI in your in, internally in your business to improve operational efficiency. I would fourthly, I would focus on organic growth over M&A growth, particularly avoiding too much chapter one M&A growth if you want to be a growth business, uh, if you want to generate um, above market growth over the medium to long term. And fifthly, I would refocus your business on the rule of 40 and really try and drive back towards that over the next couple of years. So that is my uh, predictions for 2024 and some, uh, and some um, advice, hopefully, that's useful to you if you're running a tech company uh, that will help you to uh, take advantage of some of those trends that I've talked about. Um, I very much look forward to talking to you through the year in the podcast. We'll get back to the, the normal uh, uh, review of what's been happening in January when I come back to you at the beginning of February. I wish you all the very best of luck for this year. I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm hopeful it'll be a, a better year for us all. And um, I look forward to speaking to you in a few weeks. Until then, thank you very much for listening and uh, look after yourselves. Take care and goodbye.